When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode of Ladies Who Punt is brought to you by Inglis. Inglis has had over a century of turf champions go through their sales rings And now, with their Pink Bonus Series, there has never been a better time for women to join in on the fun of racehorse ownership. That's right, Grace. With the bonus prize money up for grabs, the Pink Bonus Series is a great initiative to get more women involved in racing, making Inglis a fabulous partner to ladies who punt. We can't thank them enough for supporting our podcast and the representation of women in the racing media. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Hello and welcome back to Ladies Who Punt. We are the podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time. My name is Fiona Blair and joining me today is my co-host, Grace Ramage. Hello, Grace. Hello, Fee, and hello, everybody listening to another episode. Of course, we are deep into the spring carnival now. Um, so every week that we record and put out a new episode of Ladies Who Punt, it's just going to get even bigger and better. And then all of a sudden, we're going to be in Melbourne Cup week. It's Turnbull Stakes Day this Saturday at Flemington. Um, amazing race day. And there's just so much to talk about on today's show because we're going to recap what happened last weekend. Mm-hmm. And there's also this Saturday at Flemington lots of things that we can identify um, that are just interesting topics to try and decode. Like there's uh, two-year-old racing, which we haven't seen in Victoria this season yet. These two-year-olds that we saw either purchased at the yearling sale season only earlier this year when we were talking about, you know, all the yearling sales um, part of our podcast, we're now seeing those horses get to the racetrack, which is so exciting, and also mm-hmm. lots of homebreds as well. So we'll get to that. Um, that's a big part of Saturday at Flemington's race card, um, and there's lots of other little bits and pieces that we're going to get to as well. So big episode. Yes, it is, and we do need to start with uh update on our Turnbull Stakes race day meetup because Woo-hoo. it is the Saturday. It's I sort know. of crept up on us, Grace, and uh, yep, the Saturday we are going to be meeting up at Flemington, our first race day meetup at headquarters, which I'm really excited about, and it's going to be a very casual affair. We're just mm-hmm. going to have uh, a bit of a picnic and on the lawn in general admission, so everyone's obviously welcome to come. They're welcome to bring their friends and family with them as well. And it's just going to be a chance to enjoy the races with other ladies who punt listeners and our community and just catch up and see how everyone's going because it's been a while since our last one. I know it has been and it is so much fun. Super relaxed, as you say. Yeah. Um, and we obviously are all a great community already mm. through everything that we do and all the constant chatter amongst our our family, our ladies who punt family. But now's another chance just to catch up face to face. Yeah. And, um, and meet new people as well. That's right. And. And, you know, whether you can, you know, you're in members for the day and just want to pop down and say mm-hmm. hello for a race or two, that's absolutely fine. You can come and hang out with us for the whole day or part of the day. It's, yeah, just come and go as you please and, yep. and catch up. Sounds like it's going to be a great day. The only thing that would be better would be the weather. Yeah. The temperature could be helping us out a bit more. Yep. But that's okay. <laughs> I think the sun's going to be out. Just a bit chilly. Yeah. I would definitely dress 
for winter. <laughs> That's my two Which cents is anyway. frustrating because last week it was absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> and now we've been plunged back into the depths of winter. I know. Hopefully not for too long. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be seeing you there. You can RSVP if you would like. I'll leave a link in our show notes, but uh, also just turn up. We'll be posting on our stories sort of where we're located, things like that. Okay. Next thing we need to talk about, Grace, is last Friday night because mm-hmm. we saw two absolute jets at the valley, mm-hmm. two gals, and there were two track records broken yep. on Friday night. And I want to talk to you about that. Mm-hmm. Are these two absolute freaks or was there something going on at the valley on Friday? Okay. So we knew that we had two superstar mares going to the races in Amelia's Jewel and also Imperatrice in their respective races. Imperatrice was in the group one and Amelia's Jewel was in the mares group two. Um, but both of them were very short price favorites, indicating that they were the best horse in the race, clearly. Um, but you're right, two track records were broken on the night. So I suppose when you hear the words, oh, a track record has been broken, you're like, wow, that must be an unbelievable performance. And yes, you're generally right. It's obviously going to be a high rating performance, but there's still, um, things that you need to investigate further into it to work out how good it actually was. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm not knocking either mare at all because both are clearly superstars yes, and are just continuing to go on their merry way of just absolutely winning everything and easily. And I'll start with Amelia's Jewel. She was in a race where they were pouring on the tempo early. So I thought Deny Knowledge would be there up on speed, but she sort of missed the start and we're like, oh no, what's happening here? But it doesn't matter because Pride of Jenny with Craig of Newitt, with Craig Newitt in the saddle knew that the way to beat Amelia's Jewel and also to suit that filly was to go handlebars down, let's zoom around the valley and see and play catch me if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did catch her, but, you know, she only beat her by 0.8 of a length. So it was, you know, around the valley. That's the absolute perfect tactics from the My Eustace team to try and get the favourite beaten. Um, but the fact of the matter is when you're running fast overall time, it sets up for you to be able to, if you're a good horse, kick off that and run fast overall time. So the early speed of Amelia's Jewels win and then the fact that she is a group one horse kicking off that, I can understand why the track record was broken. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. Um, obviously, it was a, a, a relatively firm track, like they were running quick times on the night and no doubt this is a high rating performance, but it makes sense to me why they tried to beat her. They set this blistering early tempo. She said, no, I'm still such a good horse that I have so much stamina left in the tank that I'm going to kick off that, mm-hmm. not get tired. I'm going to mm-hmm. keep motoring to the line. And that's when overall time is through the roof and you can break a track record. As opposed to Imperatrice, which this is the one that amazes me because she hadn't had that early tempo to suggest that a track record should have been broken. Right. So Amelia, um, while Amelia's jewel was kicking off a very fast tempo, Imperatrice was sort of camped out the back like she was first up, sort of, um, this time probably even more so, off of a slow early tempo. Like they weren't ripping along through the early stages. You can sort of see everything was still like um, on the bridle, ready to explode coming into the bend. And she was out the back and the where she has accelerated to run this incredible time is like from her last 800, 600, 400, 200. 
um, and she's broken her own track record in doing that. Yeah, right. That's freakish. Yeah. That's really freakish. So basically what I'm saying is when you're looking at or you hear the term the track record is has been broken, without looking at the times, you can even just go back and look at the race, um, watch the race again, and if you can see, wow, that leader is absolutely rolling, they've clearly gone hard early, it makes sense why a track record would fall. I should just say it would make sense that a track record would fall if you've got group on horses. Yeah. Um, but in the sense of imperatories, I mean, that's just, she for me was the absolute standout performance on the night. Amelia's Jewel, good horse, definitely keeps going. She's got to keep taking that next step to keep yep. beating better opposition. Like, mm -hmm. But Imperatrice has got to be the best sprinter in Australia. Like, she just has to be. It's insane what she's done. I, I was sort of knocking, not knocking her, but I was thinking, I don't reckon she can do that again. Yeah, I remember you But she did it week. again. She did it again. She did it again. Yeah. She's a freak. Yeah. yeah. And sad news that we're not going to see her in the Everest. I know. Because uh, it would just be awesome to see her up there and you, you would think dominate that race. Yep. Um, are there any slots still free up there, Grace? I think there are a couple of slots still free, but the thing is I think there might only be two left. Okay. Um, but with with her, they've continued to say this whole time that they're not interested in going up, getting on the float, going up to Sydney, taking her out of a comfort zone, like new environment mm -hmm. to race for, yeah, a whole lot of prize money, but yeah. no black type status. Yeah. yeah. They uh, And I really like the way that Mark Walker, the trainer, um, responded the other night when he was asked oh you know what about the everest he's like why why would we we've yeah. got prestigious races with a group one level that we can win right here when she's here mm -hmm. and obviously airborne so yeah, comfortable settled yeah i mean it's where it's disappointing for us in a sense because it would be amazing to see her go and i think she would towel them up in an everest yeah. like I wish I win, obviously, a very good horse too. But yes. this is this is really quite freakish what she's been able to do two times this um, this preparation so far. So, But on the flip side, we now get to see her in the Manicato Stakes on Cox Plate Day. Yeah. And that's going to be epic. And she will be $1.15 or something. Like, it'll be an outrageous price. Yeah. Popcorn race, but just so you do a thing again. Yeah. And I think we're seeing this year, you know, I know that Everest has been vying to to get sort of group status attached to it because it's one of these races where it offers a lot of prize money, 20 million. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> yes. And it doesn't have black type associated with it. But I think like this year with them struggling to fill the slots almost, I see, I think we see why it doesn't quite have that status yet. Like yeah. you only have to have a few good ones knocked out and the race sort of comes away a little bit it is interesting isn't it um i suppose if it if it was the tj smith stakes for example at this time of year you know prestigious group one 1200 meters randwick normally run in the autumn but for for the sake of the argument say it's now you're still stuck with the same group of horses going to it mm. it's still at group one level that's true but i think it is just the the whole idea of it being a slot race and yeah. the fact that you can have somebody you know we could buy a slot fee yeah and have you know, I mean, I do have a Tats Lotto to get tonight. So let's let's put it in the pipeline. Let's like see how we go. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers <laughs> lot. We technically could buy a slot and then just you know put any horse we want into that yeah. position. <clears throat> so yeah. I suppose that's. I mean, you're not going to do that because you want to have wanna a horse. Win. You want you want a horse that's going to win it for you. <laughs> we but I see what you mean. Put horse on yeah. the big stage. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> I see what you mean. So the, the way that it works with the slots sort of holds it back from being like a true contest of the best of the best because yeah. the 
horses that can be picked it can be quite political who yeah gets yeah exactly yeah well it will be sad not to see it but i think you're right like good for us down here in victoria because we get to keep watching their race mm -hmm. you know trackside which is awesome yep. and hopefully continue to dominate because yeah god she's an exciting filly yeah she's amazing an exciting mare yeah she's actually oh she's just gone to the next level maybe she always was this level that's the thing we've only seen her a handful of times in australia she'd already been a four-time group one winner in new zealand so yeah that's um so much more to come from her as well yeah definitely okay so now that we've had our chat about last week let's move on to this race card at flemington on saturday because we are going to be pre previewing the turnbull specifically this week which i'm really keen to get into because it looks like it's going to be a really good race i was you know sometimes you do the form and you're like eh, i'm struggling to like get through the whole field yeah yesterday when i was doing the form for today i was like this is so interesting didn't it make your head hurt it did but like i'm like i think what i figured out straight away is like okay i'm looking for like each way yes so i was like i want to try and pick second or third yep and that made it super interesting yep. because I feel like there's a lot of horses that could fill those two spots. Yep, definitely. Um, but before we go into that any further, we're getting carried away now. <laughs> um, let's talk about the race card at Flemington because there's a couple of races we need to sign post grace, which we like to do throughout the spring because there's so many, you know, we have our big, big races like the Caulfield Cup, the Cox Plate, the Melbourne Cup, but there's these like races that come before them that are, that are sort of crucial to the lead up. Mm -hmm. So what are the two races that we want to, um, pay special attention to on Saturday? Well, the first one um, that is very, very important for the remainder of the spring racing carnival is race number seven, the Lexus Bart Cummings. Each and every year, this is a race that's held on Turnbull Sakes Day over 2,500 metres. And why it's so important is that it provides one of the few golden ticket golden tickets into the Melbourne Cup. The Melbourne Cup can be a very hard race to get into if you haven't already won, you know, enough races to get you in based on your rating. Because we know it's a handicap. We know it's a handicap. Um, and we know that, you know, if you're, they race, they run 24 horses. But if you're sort of around 24th to 30th, you've got to try and win something to get in. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to win races at this time of year when you've got, you know, 10, 15 horses all yeah. trying to do the same thing. Yeah. So um, there's a lot, every year there's a lot of hard luck stories of, you know, not horses that are going to start favourite, but horses that Connections would love to have a runner in the Melbourne Cup, probably deserve to run around as, you know, an each way sort of a chance that don't get in because mm. they can't win their way in or they mm. can't, um, you know, race well enough to get enough points or penalties to get into the race. So that's why this race is so important. Just like we talked about last week or the week before it was sorry with the naturalism mm -hmm. as a winning you're into the Caulfield Cup this is even more value valuable because it's about the Melbourne Cup so each and every year we see plenty of horses come here it's a mini grand final in itself because you want to be peaking here although we're still a month or so out from the Melbourne Cup you want to be peaking here to try and get in secure your spot and then not worry about it again mm -hmm. so that's um one of the really really interesting Melbourne Cup shaping races on the day yeah and then the other one we wanted to chat about grace was the two-year-old race race mm -hmm. two the maribyrnong trial stakes so this is the first two-year-old race for the victorian spring calendar mm -hmm. well for the whole racing calendar uh we had the two up in sydney last week yep uh but yeah kicking off here 
in Victoria this week. It's the start of seeing the next generation of superstars, isn't it, Grace? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think a lot of people, well, for trainers, for jockeys, for owners, um, you know, those racing participants, the new horses are the ones that and the ones that are unraced, mm -hmm. you just don't know how good they are yet. Yeah. Like you just don't know. So there's so much excitement among everyone um, for this next crop to come through. It's just, you know, you want to see what there is and you want to see how good they are. So you're right. We had the Jim Crack and the Breeders run last Saturday up in Sydney. Um, and then this race, the Maribyrnong Trial Stakes, is always the first Victorian two-year-old race of the season. Um, so kind of challenged down straight first up I know these horses it's I know. A big, it's a big ask thankfully these horses don't know any better and they're like oh this is a new experience <laughs> regardless so everyone's having the new experience yeah, so, yeah they're all disadvantaged <laughs> pretty much <laughs> pretty much they're all ready to have their first ever start and they don't know the difference between it being around a bend or in a straight line um, but it's so fun to watch them parade in the mounting yard because they're just babies. Yeah, first time. First time. So I'm sure if you're watching racing.com, you'll be hearing plenty of Jane talking and, and gravitating towards the horses that are relaxed and have a really smart demeanor and aren't letting this whole experience get too much. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that, um, you know, have got the smart the race the smarts to be able to go out and race to the best of their ability but i also it's also a fun thing a little activity to do if you go onto breednet.com.au uh, and you go to a little thing up the top called sale mail oh, and you click on um yes. saturday at flemington and you get to go and have a look at how much all these horses cost yeah it's you can do it for every race meeting it's a great service actually yeah we should have put that in our newsletter that's a great recommendation maybe we'll put that in this week yeah absolutely um and I'm just having a look at it now. So the highest priced two-year-old in the Maribyrnong trial stakes this Saturday at Flemington is number three, Bodyguard, uh, was sold by Emirates Park and was bought by James Heron Bloodstock. And we know that he's a big Colts syndicate. He's buying stallion prospects to hopefully go and win a group one and then make one million squillion dollars. Um, <laughs> that's the goal. This Cult bodyguard by I'm Invincible cost $1.6 million. Oh, wow. $1.6 million for a yearling cult by I'm Invincible. We've also got a filly by Zoostar that McAvoy Mitchell Racing, so that's Tony and Kelvin McAvoy, uh, paid $1.15 million for. Wow. Then the cheapest one is a cult by Street Boss that was bought at in Inglis Classic in Sydney for $50,000. Nice. Mm hmm I love those stories because, you know, we always say at the yearling sales, they don't know what their price tag is, right? Like yep. they have no idea. So it's, it's so interesting to watch how it just like the price of a horse means so little. I know. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> I suppose, um, you know, you, you're paying big bucks because you've got the perfect specimen mm. with the perfect pedigree to yep. suggest something. Everything's saying it should yeah everything you've got everything in the corner suggesting this horse is going to make it yeah but then the cheap ones are the ones that you've got lots of crosses because no you won't make it there no you won't make it there you know you won't make it there but horses can overcome that absolutely so that's that's the thing and i should also say that um you can also well you can go out and buy your horses to be racing this new two-year-old season you can also breed them yourself which is what yes. could often do and that's yep. why we see blue illusion this um, two-year-old colt who's favorite for the race he's a homebred so he never right. went through the ring they bred him on the farm produced him and now they're racing him 
I'm excited to see him go around being by blue point, actually. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be really interesting. And I think that's the other exciting thing about two-year-old season is we see these first season stallions, mm -hmm. like what they're going to do. So the superstars of yesteryear, like two, a couple of years ago, probably, you know, on the track, their first progeny are coming out like, how are they going to go? It's I know. super exciting. And there's Blue Point is a really good one you mentioned because he is a um, UK stallion. So he's dual hemisphere. He shuttles from the UK breeding season down to Australia for our breeding season. And he's a Dali stallion, good old stallion. Um, but he is like doing great things. Mm -hmm. A lot of his young progeny are just winning over there. Yeah. And this will be the first time that we're seeing them here at Flemington. Um, and I think he's got two... And this one? Yeah, two. Blue Illusion and Centre Square. So uh, two blue points running early is a very, very good it's sign. a very good sign. And he himself, I think, was a sprinting champ, mm -hmm. winning three times at Ascot or yep. something like that. Yeah, he was a real speed demon. Yeah, so super exciting to see the first season size kick off as well. Okay, I will just say one more thing. With the Maribyrnong Trial Stakes, um, young two-year-olds now, if the winner comes out tomorrow and absolutely blitzes them, don't think, oh, wow, that is the best one. He's going to win the Golden Slipper um, because it is all a factor of if you've got a horse, if you've got a two-year-old that's showing really good natural speed, really good smarts, um, can go to the races and make their presence felt, then that's what you do. But you also have to remember that there are so, so many two-year-olds that trainers have been building up, building up, and before they get to the races – they have gone shin sore yes. or are showing signs that they have come too far with their training yeah. and went straight back out to the paddock. Yeah. So this is only like the minute amount that have just ticked every single box and taken every step that are getting here now. Yeah, and like we see that there's only 10 horses in the field. Like to get a horse to the races this early as a two-year-old is like, you know, pretty freakish. Yeah. So in terms of like everything going right. Yeah. Not in terms of like a horse's ability, but just everything going right. So yeah, I, that's a great uh, point to make, Grace, because mm -hmm. you're right. There's a lot of unknown two-year-olds out there, and like those that are peaking now might not be peaking in a few exactly. months. Exactly. This is their time to shine potentially, yeah. and we might see you know, the Blue Diamond contenders come out just before Christmas. Yeah. So there's plenty of two-year-olds, and we're only seeing a very, very minute crop right now that have done everything right to get there. So before we get into our Turnbull Stakes preview, Grace, we do have a listener question from Kristen this week. And I am also eager to know this um, as well, because it's one of those terms that gets thrown around that I have no idea where it comes from, what it means. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to like get that common terminology mm -hmm. and dissect it. Mm -hmm. So this week, this week's one is a moral. What is... <laughs> A moral, when we're talking about bidding. Yep. Okay. So you might hear the word moral from time to time. Um, I don't know where it comes from. Mm. I've absolutely no idea, like, why it's a moral. <laughs> but I know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> and it means that it's you're basically declaring a horse cannot be beaten. Right. So you're going in and saying um, Imperatriz is a moral. Yep. And that means that she will not be beaten. She is the winner of the race. There's no conjecture. She is just going to go and win and you're giving nothing else a chance. It's a little bit of a taboo word. Oh. Because if you say the word moral, um, the population, the racing population, think that that person who has made the 
the term moral come out is therefore mozzing every single person that agrees. Oh, no. And you're sort of jinxing yourself by using the word moral. So that's why um, you don't hear it often. It's a bit of a taboo word. Yeah. But if you – I mean, some people might have said that Imperatrice was immoral and they were right. You know, there were times that Winx was immoral. Yeah. Um, but even still, you just get the Didn't jitters. Didn't want to say it. <laughs> the jitters because you're like, oh, I'm going to add any extra weight to this and everyone will glare at you and just be like, I can't believe you said that. So you yeah, ruined it for all of us, pretty much. Um, so a lot of superstition in this in this game, but yeah, that's what moral means, and um, yeah, it means that the horse is pretty much an absolute certainty. Fee, for anyone who hasn't yet heard of our new Ladies Who Punt Members Club, there is so much on offer. Launched only in the past month, of course. Um, amazing benefits. My personal favorite: our brand new exciting tipping competition. Yes, Grace, the tipping comp has been so popular with a $50 cash prize every week, but there's so much more on offer for our members. Mm -hmm. You get our exclusive members newsletter each and every Friday, which has extra tips from you, which have been going very well in the last few weeks, <laughs> as well as my form indicators for the group one races. We offer ad-free episodes of the podcast, so you can get everything straight to your ears without the ads. And we also offer free merch to people that sign up to our members club. So you can either sign up monthly for $15 or annually for $180. Lots of fun to be had. Can't wait to have you on board. Yeah, and it's just a great chance for people to also show their support to what we're trying to achieve in Ladies Who Punt. Uh, it's our passion project, and we would love for you to come on board with our new Ladies Who Punt Members Club. Okay, well, let's get into our preview now of the Group 1 Turnbull Stakes 2,000 metres at Flemington set weights and penalties which is an important point to make in this race mm -hmm. and the market grace has been uh pretty interesting over the last 24 hours so we have a favorite in number one romantic warrior one of the internationals lining up in this race then we have a second favorite in ossipenko who ran incredibly well in the maccabi diva running third and then we have number five Westwind Blows, the second international at $7.50. And the fourth horse in betting is number 11, Solcum at $8.50. And he ran a really good fourth in the Underwood before coming to this race. Firstly, Grace, I want to ask you about the internationals. Number one, Romantic Warrior, who is the favorite, and Westwind Blows, because I have a hard enough time getting my head around the local horses. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. whenever there's an international lining up, I'm just like, I don't even know where, to, where you fit in. Yeah. Tell us a bit about those two. Well, I'll start by saying that it's interesting that we've got two internationals running in the Turnbull Stakes because normally we don't see them really race until the Caulfield Cup Yeah. or maybe the Geelong Cup prior to that or, or you know, another little race, but not, not the Turnbull Stakes. So these two horses that are in this race are in this race because their grand final is the Cox Plate, not the Caulfield Cup or the Melbourne Cup, which is right. normally the influx, aside from some of the Japanese horses. Um, we normally see them coming in for the, the two big cups, but these two horses are bound towards the Cox Plate. So, um, yeah, super exciting that they're a part of the mix for this year's Turnbull Stakes. Okay, Romantic Warrior comes from Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. He's a six-year-old, um, and James McDonald has ridden him quite a few times to quite a few different victories and he reunites with him here um he's a three-time group one winner and he really seems to be um sort of at the peak of his powers now like he's he's 
the number one horse in Hong Kong. He's a really good firm track 2,000 metre horse. So if we get a firm track at the valley, that's, you know, something that's going to be in his favour and he likes to settle on speed. So there's clearly been a lot of thought about, okay, we have a horse that would be very well suited around 2040 Mooney Valley Group 1. Let's send him down for the Cox Plate. Um, that's Romantic Warrior. The other one is West Wind Blows, who comes over from England, trained out of Newmarket by Simon and Ed Crisford. Uh, this is a five-year-old gelding who does not have the uh, profile or like the runs on the board that Romantic Warrior does. He's never won a Group 1. Uh, he's won a couple of Group 3 races, but he is probably the one that's still on the up. So mm -hmm. the, I suppose when you're thinking about the UK success that's come out to our Spring Carnival, they have been handicap horses where you, they're lightly, lightly raced on the way up. Handicapper hasn't seen how good they are yet because they've yeah. only had a handful of starts and they're sort of just creeping through the grades. Um, and then they get out here with a lightweight and they just go, Choo, see you later, I'm way better than you guys. <laughs> I tricked you. Um, but West Wind Blows might fit sort of into that category. They know that they need like a group three, group two um, profile horse for them to be competitive in our group ones. Yeah. Um, and that's what this horse is like, you know, that sort of group two class of horse that they think they can come out here sort of like a dabe almost in a sense but doesn't have the runs on the board of a dabe so don't know about this horse we're mm -hmm. going to wait and see how he measures up yeah. um, but clearly romantic warrior deserves to be favorite in yeah. this race because he is a three-time group one winner um and we know that he's a very good horse yeah and i think that's probably why at the top of the show we were speaking about talking about how you know we're really looking for second and thirds here because he does look like a bit of a freak yep. and there's been a bit of boom about him um so yeah you're right he totally deserves to be favorite the one i am kicking myself about mm -hmm. is gold trip yeah so yesterday when i was doing the form he was twenty dollars oh no what is he now he's like twelve dollars oh, he's now. eleven dollars now oh, he's 20, so 27 to 11 dollars 27 to 11 that's mm -hmm. like a lot of money coming that's a for him very good early push yep so i was looking at yesterday and i was like Oh yeah, he could be he could be second or third based on his last run, and I was like, oh, make sure I put my bet on tonight, and I totally forgot. Yeah. And then I checked this morning. I, I managed to get him at fourteen, so I'm happy about that. Oh, nice. But I just I was like, right, I'm just gonna put my bet on now because the money is just coming in for him, and I guess I'll explain why I uh, really like him. Mm -hmm. So his last run was in a benchmark one hundred at the Valley over yep. two thousand, and looking at the race, it was a real sit and sprint, and he was at the back. Mm -hmm. I think he was second last on the bend and on the short Mooney Valley straight, he managed to get from second last to fourth and yep. it was just electric. Yep. He was. And I was like, that's okay. So the race wasn't set up for him mm -hmm. and he still managed to do that. Yep. Plus on Saturday, he loses four kilos. Yep. So he was 62 in the benchmark, 158 on Saturday. That's mm -hmm. going to make a huge difference. Yeah, it will definitely. So I think 27 was like actually like a bit of a wild price. Yeah, it was a wild it. price. Yeah, that's why it's gone. Because yeah. they went up $27 and Funda said, no, that's wrong. But like, how do they get it so wrong? Or do they do it on purpose so people nope. will bet on him? It's simply um, when, you know, traders are putting up markets, they have their own opinion. Right. And, um, yeah, punters pile in and say no. I yeah. don't agree with that. I'm going to I'm going to take that price and um you know, it's interesting, just a little bit of a side note. Sometimes uh what I do for my job is I'm looking at markets all day long when I'm that's what I'm doing on TV and I'm watching for example um let's say 
you know, in the five minutes leading up to any given race, one horse in particular across all the bookmakers, all the WSPs or Sportsbet, Ladbrokes, Tab, you know, everything, this one horse being backed and backed and backed, and you'll see one of the bookmakers not budging. Right. And that's the trader or, or them taking taking the punters on, saying, I, I see that you're backing this horse nonstop, but I just don't think this horse is going to win, so I'm going to lure you with the best price available so you keep betting with me uh-huh. and I'm going to beat you. I see. So, um, yeah, it's literally that's that's their job. That's that's what the traders do. That's what the that's what the wagering companies do. They're, they're taking on the punter at, at every time. So it's always a, a, a to and a fro between, you know, what prices are taken and what prices are given. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really excited to see him go around because he looks like he's in really good form leading into his second Melbourne Cup run. Yep, definitely. I guess, Grace, now that we've spoken about him, we should probably backtrack a bit bit and talk about the speed map because I know that's where you like to start. How is this race shaping up? I think there'll be good speed in this, which is good because there's plenty of races on Saturday um, in general that have got no speed and it's... Well, I want to pull my hair out because it's so frustrating. But, um, you know, horses drawn wide that aren't going to go forward and go back and you end up with slowly run races that are dashes home. This will not be one of those because we have Goldman, who only really knows one way, and that's to go forward and bowl. Romantic Warrior from Barry 11 will be going forward. The, the Hong Kong horse, right you are in Smoke and Romans. They're drawn 16 and 17. I think they have to go forward. We were talking about this the other day when um, – you know, you've got big prize money or, or big big prize in general, you'll see jockeys be a lot more aggressive in the mm-hmm. way that they're riding their horses. So this will be a good good run race. There'll be plenty of speed, and I think it'll mean that every horse gets their chance. Yeah, and I guess we should clarify, like, why why do you prefer these, these uh, you know, high-tempo races compared to a sit in a dash home? It's not that I prefer it because, to be honest, if I'm looking at a race and I find – that I want to be, I think the leader in a slow run race is the best horse, then that's my absolute pot of gold. Like that's my favorite thing. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking at a race and you can see that maybe the best horse or the one you want to be with is a back marker in a slow run race, it just makes it so much harder for them. Mm -hmm. And you are dictated to. The horse is dictated to. You're dictated to with your opinion because it all depends on what happens out there. It's just messy. Um, Whereas when there's tempo in a race and every horse is getting their chance, you know, it's not purely those horses on speed that are – the ones in the finish because it's too hard to get past them, right. then you can actually have confidence in your opinion and not just leave it up to chance, basically. Yeah, so I guess what I'm hearing is that it's like a more fair competition and less tactical. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And you can just have more confidence that what you think is going to transpire, right. if that makes sense. Yep. Okay, so now that we've uh, talked about that and how there's going to be a little bit of tempo in this race, who do you want to talk to talk about in the field? there's so many horses I want to talk about in this field. I think that there are a few horses here that um, don't have a chance. Okay, let's start with them because let's see if we agree. Look, you know, there's a little bit of a tail to this race. Um, Yes, there is. Bank Moore, I don't think really, now that I've said that. Well, he had every chance in the underwood, He did. Yeah, Duke DeCessa, like this seems like a very steep sort of a task for Mm him. Um, you know, all patroness, she is a group one winner, but this is only second up. And I think she raced over 1400 meters last start. So there'll be some horses here that are just having a run, which is fine. And it's, it's not a, it's not a problem because 
this is a very good lead-up race for either the Cox Plate or the Caulfield Cup. Another, that's another important thing about the Turnbull Stakes. That's why we've got such a big field this year, um, 16 plus two emergencies, because this is like the race where they come to and then they go their separate ways. Right, so this is a real, like, key race in the yep. spring. Yeah, you know, we've got obviously Gold Trip. Um, he probably goes through the Cox Plate to the Melbourne Cup, but you've got horses that have got all these different grand finals um, and they're all sort of in this race. So I can understand definitely having a go. Um but the other key element to this race is the fact that it is run under set weights and penalties conditions mm. as opposed to handicap or weight for age. Yeah. Well, we talked about set weights and penalties last week and what exactly that means. Um, and what it means and what I always look for in a Turnbull Stakes is the horse that is on the way up but hasn't won a race to get that penalty, yeah. um, meaning that they're very well in at the weights in a race like this. So... Um, there's no real obvious one necessarily in this race this year. I also want to talk about one horse in particular fee, Aussie Penko, because mm. he's been $7.15 to $6. This confuses me. I'm just not convinced that he deserves to be so short in the betting. Right. I'm, I'm interested to hear your, your reasoning behind well, that. Well, he comes through the Maccabi Diva at Group 1 level, wait for age, against what was, what was a smallish field, Mr. Brightside and Alligator Blood were one and two in that race. Clearly, they are class opposition. But that was a really slowly run race, and Aussie Benko sort of sat just behind the speed and quickened nicely. But it was it was the right race, but in terms of the way the race was run and won, it didn't really set me alight in terms hmm. of like wanting to follow him now as a $6 chance in a Turnbull Stakes where you've got Romantic Warrior and a heap of other classy horses. So... I think that he, um, for me, I'm not with Aussie Pink. I'd actually be surprised if he was to win this race. I'd be very surprised if he was to win this race. What about second or third? Like, he's sort of one of my second or third ones. Really? Yeah, well, because I feel like he was held up quite a lot in the Maccabi. Mm. Um, he sort of got stuck behind Alligator, Alligator Blood. Blood. yeah. And then when he got out, he passed Princess Grace, mm. who's a good horse. Yeah. And he almost passed Alligator Blood. Like, he was really flying home. Yeah. So I think for me it was that we didn't see him at his best that day. Definitely. I don't think he had his best chance. Yeah. And that to me is like, okay, you know, if he gets his best chance on Saturday, could he get in the placings? Well, you're sort of talking me around a bit now, aren't you? <laughs> um, look, he can run second or third. He's drawn a really nice barrier in barrier six. He doesn't yeah. have to spend any petrol early. He can just lob in a nice spot and finish off strongly. But yeah, it's been – well, I mean, he did win the, the over the same distance, the Frank Packer Plate, um, last autumn because he's now a new season four-year-old. That was for the three-year-olds. Right. This is, again, a big test for him. Yeah, I'd be surprised if Ossipenko was to win, um, and it's at the price. Like, if he was $18, sure, that's probably an each-way bet, but yeah. not even $18, $11. But the fact that he's $6 and there's – Yeah, um, it's even hard to go with them each way, isn't it? Yeah, it sort of is. So the one that I'm ultimately siding with is Solcombe. Mm -hmm. We've spoken about him heaps, but that's because he is just doing everything right. Um, his first up win was similar to that of Gold Trips, was in a listed race, and Gold Trips' first up run was in a benchmark 100. So um, these horses were up in the weights in a lesser grade, but Solcombe's win was just astonishing. We spoke about it. It was just like he just canted up and won through, weaved through horses. His last start run, uh, which was in the 
Underwood Stakes, 1800 metres, Group 1 weight for age level, big field out the back um, on what was a more genuine tempo than the Maccabi Diva Stakes. I thought mm. he was exceptional again. Now he drops in weight because he is a horse that does not have any penalties. So he's really well weighted under the set weights and penalties here in 56 kilos from barrier two. Again, really soft run, doesn't spend any petrol early, just lobs in the perfect spot. And I reckon that this could be Solcombe's chance to get really close to Romantic Warrior and show us how good he actually is. And if he is running top three uh, in the Turnbull Stakes, then he's the horse that I want to be with for the Caulfield Cup or the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, uh, he's definitely on my list for yep. second or third. Um, and, yeah, I can only second all of your sentiments there. He, he's been, you know, he hasn't done anything wrong so far, has he? The other one, though, Grace, that I wanted to bring up, and he's also paying a bit of a price at the moment, and I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. It's actually gone from $23 to 46 Oh, that is Uncle Bryn. Uncle Bryn. What do you think? Because I thought his last start was really good, and there was quite a bit of merit to that. It was a fast run race. Mm -hmm. He was at the front, and he was the only one at the front who stuck on mm. and won by two lengths. Yep. So I was like, well, that's a good run. Yep. That was, it was a highly rated race, I think, eight lengths faster than standard time. But he's like $45 now. What's going on? Why don't people like him? Well, everything you just said is right. Um, so I can totally understand where you're coming from. And to be honest, there's no real knock other than to say that that was a clear, clear peak run. Right. And that we've never seen him do anything like that before. Okay. And so can he do it again? So this is like the Imperatries of last week. Sort of. About this. Sort of, yeah. Pretty but, much. like, he's a stayer. Well, you know, this is middle distance now, so it's harder, I guess, for him to – and he's on the he's on a pretty quick, like, two-week backup as mm -hmm. well. So mm -hmm. it'd be harder for him, I guess, you know, over a longer trip. Sprinters, well, I feel like, can, can maintain that just short burst. Yeah, and it's a stronger race. Yeah. And the horses that he faced last time when he was dominant in winning in everything you just said, fast time, all the things, they are cups horses. So yeah. they were out the, the, the ones that were dashing home were way out the back. And most of them are now in the, um, Buck Cummings, 2,500 right. meters. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if he, and he's probably not a 2,500 meter horse. That's why they're not even considering going out in distance, mm. but that sort of, that was the quality of that race. Now this is a whole nother level of Uncle yeah. Brent. However, if he was to come and do what he did last start, he'd be in the finish here. Yeah. So it was a massive career peak for him. And if he can replicate that again and show that it was no fluke and he's a very good horse that's only continuing to improve each preparation, then he can be in the mix. So at 40-something dollars, I can't talk you out of that. Yeah, and I liked that he has barrier one yeah. on Saturday because going through his form, like it just looks like sometimes he just gets too far back and he can't get there. Yeah. Whereas on his last run, yeah, exactly. he was up front and it worked out for him. So I'm hoping he can replicate that. And, yep. and you know, I guess you're what you've been saying about that was a peak run, like that's probably something I should be aware of. I also just like him. He's like, you know, those horses, like I hardly ever bet on him, but I just like seeing him. Yep. I'm like, oh, there's Uncle Bryn yep. going around again. Yep. So I was stoked last run when he won. I was like, oh my gosh, amazing. So yep. hopefully he can. But remember two starts ago, Uncle Bryn was out the back. Yeah. When Solcombe just whistled past him. True. But that was on a totally different race shape where yeah. Uncle Bryn, where in that race, that Solcombe, Uncle Bryn raced the Heatherly Stakes. 
uh, it was a complete sit and sprint. Mm. And for whatever reason, Solcombe just proved that he's got some real dash about him, whereas Uncle Bryn probably is just a, a real racehorse that yeah. needs – he's not flashy, he's not a sharp sprinting type, he's just a good old-fashioned racehorse that needs yeah. tempo on and will just keep running. Well, he might get that also. He will. Too. He will get that. So that's in his favour too. And the low draw, as you said, is perfect because um, in a big field like this, you want to just – position in a spot that's not too far back spending no petrol well see there's just too many horses now to choose from i mean i've gone with gold trip but the, you know sulcum uncle bren yeah ossipinko yep. like there's so many to choose from for that those second and third spots for me definitely this is a really good race and it's also important to note that um horses will run big races in this but for different grand finals just on gold trip if he wins this and or if he, even if he runs really, really well in this on a good track, that's the key, on a good track, second up, then, wow, he has come back even better than we've seen him ever before. Yeah. Um, because I think last Melbourne Cup when he won with that massive weight, he had the fact that it was a wet track in his favour. Oh, of course. But his first up run, this preparation, was huge as you've already outlined and that was on a good track as well yeah. so it's similar to um Solcombe, if he can do that again and show that he's if that was no sprinting fluke on a good track if he can do that again and run close in this then he's you know got every single chance that he'll be able to go extremely well again in the melbourne cup this year okay so i've already done my bit on gold trip which we've spoken about what are you going to be doing grace i'm just going to go solcombe each way in this race because i think romantic warrior can win mm -hmm. um $2.20 too short to do anything with to be honest i have no don't have enough confidence to say you're the winner yeah i'm moral <laughs> um so yeah i know that solcombe is a good horse and i know that he's tracking towards doing a peak performance soon mm. and i have a feeling that he gets the lightweight or well, relatively lightweight under the set weights and penalties here the low draw the 2000 meters the third up to suggest that he can be really really close to winning this well grace it's just going to be a fantastic race on saturday and best thing is that we're going to be trackside mm -hmm. for our race day meetup i can't wait i can't wait to see all these horses in the flesh uncle Bren, gold trip romantic warrior we haven't yep. even seen him before so it's our first look at him which is really exciting yeah um and hopefully we will have uh a few ladies who punt listeners alongside us watching this race and we are going to be doing i should have mentioned at the top our usual race day meetup tipping comp so mm -hmm. we obviously have our members tipping comp which we do each and every week with a 50 dollars cash prize when you come to our race day meetups we do the same thing it's the same format but there's a hundred dollar maya voucher up for grabs so Everyone who's coming on Saturday, make sure you do your form because we're yep. going to be getting you to write down your selections uh, heading into race seven. Yeah, there are some horses I like in the later, later legs as well and some at a price. So we'll have to see how we go. <laughs> okay, everybody, that is all we have time for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to support the show, there's a few things you can do for us. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening to the podcast. You can follow us on social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, or our closed Facebook group. Uh, and the last thing you can do is you can join Ladies Who Punt members for mm -hmm. extra tips and content and to play in our weekly tipping comp with $50 cash prize. Grace, that's all we've got for this week's racing, but where are we heading to next week? Next week is my favorite day. Oh, 
one of my two favorite days of the Melbourne Cup of the Melbourne Spring Carnival, and it's Caulfield Guineas Day oh. at Caulfield, and it's also Everest Day in of Sydney. Course. Okay, so we will catch you all next week for all of that content and more. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 